Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Matt Judy with RFT Coaching. We had a great discussion today regarding training for the OCR athlete, both from a programming side of things as well as a performance side of things, and especially when talking about decreasing the risk of injury in these athletes. If you're in the functional fitness world, the running world, or the OCR world, you can all gain some great information from what Matt has to share. So let's tune in. Matt, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. So thank you for joining me today. I'm super excited um, with what about what you have going on um, up there in Utah, and I'm really excited to get on here and talk about everything you're doing in the functional fitness and the OCR world. Uh, what I wanted just to get from you first is kind of your bio, your background, just how you got um, to exist in this functional fitness and OCR world. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my brother and I started RFT coaching uh, about almost four years ago now, three and a half years ago. Uh, we both played sports growing up. He was more of a, an individual sport, professional cyclist. Um, I played team sports. I was really big in baseball. Uh, we both joined the military. I joined right out of high school. He joined when he was about 21. We spent five years. Uh, well, I spent five years in. He did 10 years. So we've spent a lot of our lives just being physically active um, and understanding just how much uh, depends on physical abilities when you're in a, in a world like in the military and, and, and professional sports and stuff like that. So uh, after a little bit, he was working for somebody else, doing personal training uh, at another gym, and I took a contract in Afghanistan, and we started talking, and we decided, you know what? We don't want to work for anybody anymore. We want to work for ourselves, and we decided to start our own business, uh, focusing on tactical strength, uh, functional fitness, uh, and then that kind of blended in well with uh, OCR training specifically. Um, a lot of the things tend to transfer over really well, and so we uh, made sure that we uh, adopted a lot of uh, OCR athletes as well to because we felt we had a lot to provide for them with Christopher's endurance background and and our tactical background for strength and, uh, and conditioning and stuff so that's awesome so I know you guys do all the programming where you're um, where you're at do you do the same programming for the people who just want to do functional fitness versus the people who want to do OCR or is it kind of everyone's thrown into one uh, it's separate so um, for our functional fitness, our general fitness class, we call it mountain fitness. Um, you'll go through strength phases. You'll have a work capacity phase. You'll have an endurance phase, um, stamina phase, as well as durability weeks built into, uh, into all these phases as well. Um, you'll, you'll do heavy barbell movements. Uh, pretty much everything is thrown in that we can for OCR you do some strength work, you concentrate more on running and high intensity, and the strength work never really involves a barbell. Uh, it's odd-shaped items, dumbbells, kettlebells, buckets, sandbags, that kind of thing, because a barbell just won't translate to a race. So uh, we try to keep the strength stuff as um, body weight, odd-shaped items as possible. During the off-season, sometimes we'll incorporate more barbell strength work into it, just because uh, you're in the off-season, you don't need to be sport-specific, but um, for the most part, we try to keep it to odd shaped items because that's what you're going to use in a race. Cool. And then how do you, 
with your OCR people, obviously it's some endurance, some obstacle strength type work. How do you program that to make sure they cover both aspects, but neither is getting neglected at the same time? Uh, well, the focus will always be running. Um, if it's, uh, if it's important to the sport, you do it at least three or four times a week. If it's absolutely essential to the sport, you're going to do it almost every day. Um, so they run, uh, for some of our elite level athletes, they're running at least three to four times a week, uh, if not more like, and it's not necessarily long, hard runs. I mean, running could just incorporate, uh, sprints, interval training, um, we could do the warm up. We'll have some running in it. Like it could be like a one mile warm up, that kind of thing, but you're going to run pretty much every day. Um, the, uh, we focus a little bit on strength during the off season. We focus more on strength. Uh, we, we have an endurance phase that we put them through the offense to, or through the, during the off season to kind of build up that base. And then we put them through a strength phase to try to get as much strength as possible going in to the season. And then we get them start geared towards the season and start concentrating more on like interval running, uh, tempo running, and that kind of stuff when it gets close to the season so that they're ready. But you'll still focus. You'll, you'll, the focus is mostly on the running. Um, if you can only train two things for OCR, it's going to be running and grip strength. I mean, those are the two that you want to make sure you hit. But we try to make sure we throw in at least a day of strength and a day of uh, work capacity every week to make sure you maintain those as well as possible. What do you typically suggest for someone who maybe doesn't have anywhere specific OCR wise to train? What do you guys suggest for um, doing uh, developing grip strength? So we like to do it with uh, dead hangs and active hangs. So all you really need is a pull-up bar. Uh, I mean, you could go to the park and, and use a monkey bar or you could use a tree branch for, uh, it doesn't really matter. But a dead hang would be, you just, you just jump up, you hang by your hands. Um, and you, we usually start out with about a cumulative of five minutes. So you, st you set a timer, you hit go, you jump up, you hang for as long as you can. When you drop down, you just hit stop on that timer and you build up to the five minutes. Uh, once you start getting, once that starts becoming a little bit easier, you can incorporate things like active hangs where you have bent elbows. Uh, you know, you're actively engaging the lap muscles, your shoulders, uh, forearms, uh, triceps, biceps, all that kind of stuff. You're actively engaging those. Um, and then, you know, you start to build up. So we'll do like four minutes dead hang, one minute active hang. And then you slowly transition to where you get into like a five minute active hang. Um, and of course, all of this is cumulative. There's, I mean, there's a few people out there who might be able to do five minutes straight, but uh, I don't know of very many that could. So you just, once you got a drop, you just hit that timer, get back up there and do it again. Um, and then after that, you can start doing a lot of other things too. You got heavy farmers carries that can help uh, build up strength. I know what I used to do a lot was I would wrap um, like little hand towels around my dumbbells and, st and things like that. Make, it makes the grip fatter and soft. So you have to squeeze really hard to make sure you maintain control of them. Um, that's a little bit more advanced, especially if you're doing overhead movements with that. I don't ever recommend doing overhead movement, but things like deadlifts or uh, lunges or things like that, where you just uh, vary up the grip sizes. Um, things like towel dead hangs so you incorporate a towel you just take a like a hand towel throw it over the 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 uh, pull-up bar and then just hold the towel ends um, that is a lot harder than it sounds so that's another great way to build up that strength but building up the the grip strength in in multiple different planes so I mean you've got overhand underhand uh, by your sides vertical grip all that kind of thing and, and just making sure Usually, you know, if you got nothing else but a pull-up bar, you can get some decent grip strength work going. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, it's kind of where 
the dead hang in the farmer's carries was where I always focused with grip strength, but I was curious if you had any other creative things that I was missing in there. So awesome. Yeah. When looking at your athletes, obviously, um, OCR and functional fitness, they're both sports. People like injuries happen, you know, in every sport, but we know a lot of things can be, we can reduce the risk of injury. So what are you guys doing with your programming in order to um, kind of help decrease that risk? So we incorporate stretching into pretty much every workout. Um, the running will have a, a 10 to 15 minute mobility workout at the end, stretching, foam rolling, that kind of thing. Um, there's usually always what we call an active rest day about midweek to make sure you're not just overdoing it in a week. So for most of our athletes, it's on a Thursday. Um, we have them train Monday through Saturday. Thursday is usually active rest where you are going to do something physical, but it's nothing crazy. So I usually have a light 30 to 45 minute uh, run, row, bike, whatever they choose they want to do. Um, and then some yoga. Uh, we usually recommend about an hour session of yoga um, and then some light grip strength work to kind of help fill out that day. Um, but also making sure that you're giving your athletes rest. Um, usually for my athletes, I've noticed it's every six to eight weeks, depending on the athlete that I'm going to give them pretty much a whole week off. Um, they'll do nothing but yoga, stretching and stuff during that week, just to make sure they stay healthy. Uh, and then go from there. The, the most important thing is just making sure that your athletes understand that you don't get better during training, you get better during rest. So some of them will be like, Oh, can I add this? And and it's like, no, just do what I tell you to do and rest when you're supposed to rest. <laughs> it's so funny. That, and I, you know, I will self admit that I definitely did not used to rest and take rest days or take weeks off. And then I started to and realized how beneficial they are. And it can be so hard to shut athletes down and just force them to take a rest day. It's crazy. Yes, it, it, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it really is almost that rest day is almost more important than your training days to some degree. Yeah. I mean, if you can't keep training, if you're hurt. So the big thing is, I mean, it is longevity and keeping them healthy and reminding them that, look, you can train as hard as you want, but if you're only ever breaking your body down, it's never going to get built back up. So. Definitely. How often are you seeing like shoulders, uh, especially with your OCR people, how often are you seeing your shoulders flare up? Um, not all that often, to be honest. Most of our stretches actually are, are focused around hips and shoulders. Awesome. Um, so I've had a, a few people with shoulder injuries, but those were prior injuries before they came in. Um, I've never on myself, I've never really noticed a, a shoulder injury. Most of the ones that I see are, are like hips and knees, you know, just from the, the pounding on the running on IT bands and things like that is, are the more common ones for OCR that I see. Um, I've, I've had a few people with some forearm issues from too much grip strength work. Um, you know, they're working too much of the flexors and not enough extensors. And that can be a hard thing to realize that, oh, you've got to work the back, you know, the back half of that or else you're going to get a muscle imbalance and that will create injuries on its own. So mm -hmm. teaching people how to work the extensors is hard too, because uh, I mean, unless you have like they have those little bands now that you can stick around your fingers and expand out your hand and those help quite a bit. But even just I mean, like you can get a bucket of sand and just put your hand in and expand your hand out even so you don't need to get super fancy with it. But just making sure you uh for you know every pull you've got to push and every grip you've got an extend so mm -hmm. yeah and that's definitely forgotten um 
you know, people forget that these muscle groups work, or maybe they just don't know, I should say, but that these muscle groups do work against each other. And so um, like a lot of shin splints, it's just due to like overworked or tight calves. And it's just these muscle imbalances that happen that do create a lot of these just random aches and pains. Yeah. With your runner or with your OCR and the runners, um, what are you doing to, and, and in Utah, you do have a little more advantage than, than here in Phoenix, I think, but um, for training the hills and for training, um, getting them ready for the trails, what are you doing for that? So, I mean, we always tell them to, to run on trails. Um, if uh, Like in the off season, not as important, but when you're getting ready to get, uh, get into the season, you definitely want to be doing at least two of your days of running on a trail. Uh, we recommend the long run day on Saturdays and uh, tempo day, uh, which is on usually on Wednesdays to do trails. Um, Mondays are usually interval days and I prefer they do that more on the flat area because it's easier to kind of regulate the heart rate. But, mm -hmm. um, but tempo day is kind of mimicking your race pace. Uh, so you should absolutely get to know what it feels like to go up and down hills. And then uh, the long days, I mean, uh, you want it, you want just undulating terrain so that you can kind of mimic how that race will feel as well. If you don't have a Hills, you know, we have a, we have one client out of, that was based out of Texas. Um, incorporating things like sleds, light sled carries will just force you to lean forward and mimic what that Hill will be like. And if you don't have a sled available to you, drag something, you know, with some straps, something like that. Um, and so I'll do a lot of stuff where, because right around our gym facility, it's all flat. There's no real hills right next to us. So I'll do things with, you know, 800-meter runs and then 400-meter sled drags to kind of mimic a, a steep little hill kind of thing. Um, and that's what we found is the best to kind of incorporate mimicking a hill as much as possible without having one. But if you've got trails that you can run on, always run on trails. Awesome. Cool. Plus, they're just more fun than yeah. road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just throw that out there. Um. How often do you suggest they race, especially your elites? Um, so we, I mean, as a, as a gym and a sponsor and things like that, I want them out there as much as possible because that's our name out there. But usually you want to have anywhere between, I would say four and seven races, depending on your athlete. If they're pretty new to the game, uh, maybe get that down to like three to five because you don't want to overdo it. But out of those you know, five, six, seven races that you're going to do in a year, you're really only going to focus on about three. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll do three that you're kind of, we call them target races that you want to do well in. Um, maybe four if they qualify for worlds and things like that. And then the rest are kind of tune-up races where they're more, I mean, you're going hard, but you're not going to get hurt for the sake of winning either. Um, so you, you want to get used to what it feels like to race. You want to get used to competing, but if you're just competing all the time, you're going to get hurt too. So making sure they understand, Hey, this race is more about just tuning up, figuring out where, where you're weak, where you're feeling weak this season. You know, maybe we didn't work on grip strength as much as we should. And the, and some of these grip strength obstacles are harder than they should. Then I know, okay, we can focus on that going into the next race and hopefully get that cleaned up. Maybe their hill their hills were struggling. I'd rather figure it out in a race than get to a, a target race and be like, Oh crap, we did not train this enough. Um, so we usually recommend, you know, six or seven, and pick three that you really want to do well in. Awesome. And then along with that, do you limit how many, for especially for your high endurance ones, do you limit how many ultras you will allow them to do or just since they beat the body up a little bit more or not? 
Um, so far, we've only had one or two ultras, to be honest. Uh, so I, I would like I wouldn't say we put a limit to it, but the big thing will be paying attention is making sure the athletes paying attention to how they feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, if they've got to understand just how much training that takes and how much time that's going to take that if you want to do multiple ultras in a year, great, but you got to make sure we do it right. And honestly, if you're going to do ultras, then we're going to probably limit the amount of races that we're going to do in the, in the year anyways. Um, So just, I wouldn't say we limit it, but we just make sure they're very aware of just how much they're going to be training. And, you know, it kind of takes away from the ability to even be able to do more races than two or three. That makes sense. And, and yeah, just with how much goes into those, I think that personally, I think that's a good limit for a year span. Yeah. We haven't had anybody do more than one as of right now, but they'll do beasts and ultra and then like one ultra kind of thing. But mm-hmm. and we've had some people do, I know we had one athlete, he did, he did an ultra in Colorado and then oh, not too long after he did Colorado rim to rim to rim for the um, for the Grand Canyon. So he's a little bit of an insane man. So, uh, but he made it work and, and he stayed healthy. So that was the most important thing, but that's the most I've seen people, uh, one of our athletes do as far as ultra endurance goes. Okay. And that rim to rim to rim is no joke. Yeah. Um, and then I know you talked a little bit earlier about, um, your different training cycles, um, with the strength and endurance and all that. How long of training cycles do you do when you're kind of doing your different cycles? Um, so for our, for our um, mountain fitness, our general fitness, functional fitness stuff, it's uh, anywhere between three and six weeks. So depending on the phase, um, the, the stamina phase is only three. It's a, uh, it's a ton of volume. You're doing a lot of reps. Um, so you can't really do more than three or else you're going to start running into some, some overuse injuries and, overtraining and that kind of thing. Um, and from there, we like to keep it around five. Uh, we found that six starts to get a little bit monotonous and boring. Um, and, uh, and then you start to notice that you're getting to those plateaus a little bit. So we feel like five is a, is a happy little spot to where you don't get people bored and they're still seeing good, consistent uh, gains. And then you're getting away from it before they start to plateau and start to get frustrated. Cool. For the either we'll go both directions, we can go both directions, but for the runner or for the CrossFitter functional fitness person who actually, who has never done an OCR, considering it, wants to get involved in it, but doesn't really know where to start. What do you suggest for those people? Running and grip strength. Those are (laughs) going to be your two big ones. So, um, kind of, especially people who love barbell, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a strength guy. I love lifting with barbells. I love being strong. Um, I run because I tell my clients that they need to run. <laughs> I'm not going to be one of those coaches. Like I don't enjoy running. I go do it and stuff, but I don't enjoy it. So uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I refuse to be a coach that would tells my client they need to train a certain way when I am unwilling to do it myself. Um, but if you're looking to be, if you're looking to start into OCR, uh, running is, is key. I mean, it, it, at the very root of the sport, it's an endurance sport. So if, you can be as strong as you want. It doesn't matter if you're exhausted when you get to the strength obstacles, it, it just won't matter. Which is the same for any kind of real, uh, any sport 
in general, if you don't have the conditioning to get yourself through, it doesn't matter how strong you are or how good your skills are. If you're exhausted, skill breaks down, strength breaks down, and you can't, and you're not going to be good at it anyways. So making sure you have the conditioning proper for the sport. Um, so if you're doing sprints, then, you know, you should be able to run, you know, 60 minutes to 90 minutes straight, no breaks, you know, it doesn't need to be fast, but just nice and consistent pacing. If you're doing supers, then that needs to go from 90 to two to two and a half hours. And then beasts, you should probably be get ready for three hours plus. So, Awesome. Uh, let's see. Well, Matt, uh, just to close it out, if someone has any questions about OCR, is looking for a coach because they live in a place where they don't have any resources, uh, how can they find you? Yeah. So my email is mattjudy at rftcoaching.com. So it's uh, Matt with two T's and then J U D Y Judy and it's R F T coaching. Uh, they can also go to rftcoaching.com. We have a little email us tab at the bottom and it goes to, it's just info at RFT coaching. Um, but they can kind of read about what we provide. So we do provide online training um, as well as uh, we have like a YouTube channel that kind of helps show the movements that we do that you might not be familiar with so that they can get an idea as, uh, of, of what all, they have, you know, we're not going to just throw a bunch of movements out at you and not let you know what they look like. So, uh, so yeah, we do online coaching so we can, we can help you if you're anywhere. Um, if you're in the Valley of Salt, uh, Salt Lake Valley, then, you know, we've got a facility. It's pretty much dead center in the Valley. You can get there from anywhere in the Valley in 15 minutes. So, um, definitely check us out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Matt. I really appreciate you. I know you're on a tight schedule and uh, really appreciate you making time for me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And that concludes this episode of Highly Functional. I truly appreciate the time you spend to listen to myself and my colleagues share with you how to become highly functional individuals and how to be highly functional individuals. If you learned great information from this, I would love for you to share it with your friends and help them become highly functioning individuals as well. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.